This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast summer series. This summer, we are going to revisit some of my favorite shows about parenting tweens and tweens. Tweens and tweens? Tweens and teens. Yes. This podcast is an invitation to get real about parenting and to take personal responsibility for how you're showing up for your kids. This is a place of support, celebration, and authenticity. I am so happy that you're here. There are nearly 200 shows to binge on, my friends. So if the tween and teen years aren't your jam yet, check out some of my other past shows. This week, I am sharing a conversation with Genevieve Simperingham. We talk about what peaceful parenting our teenagers can look like. What I love most about this conversation is the invitation to come from the place of considering that our teenagers might be more capable and thoughtful than we give them credit for. It was a timely revisit for me, and I'm guessing that it will be for many of you too. If you love the conversation, don't forget there's so many more to check out. And I would love for you to head over to iTunes and leave a review. Reviews allow for other people to find the podcast, enjoy the conversation, and ultimately change the experience they're having with parenting. So please, if you have the time and the inclination, head on over to iTunes and leave that review. Yay! Now, enjoy the listening. Hey, listeners, I am really excited about today's show. I have Genevieve Simperingham on the show today. Genevieve is a counselor, an aware parenting instructor, an educator, a writer, an international speaker, a group facilitator. She teaches meditation and is the founder of the Peaceful Parent Institute in New Zealand. Over the last 24 years, Genevieve has presented hundreds of workshops and courses. She and her husband have parented their two children who are now 20 and 15 with attachment principles from the beginning. Genevieve is committed to empowering parents with the tools that result in increased harmony, trust, and cooperation in the family unit. I was just saying off air to Genevieve, I found her through her Facebook group, which is called The Way of the Peaceful Parent years ago. And I'm so, so honored to say, welcome to the podcast, Genevieve. Thank you, Casey. It is so good to be on air and we've had 
you know, some exciting little interchange um, through Facebook. And so I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Oh, man. Me too. Me too. Please share with the listeners a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm in New Zealand. Um, I'm Irish. That's the accent. Uh, I've been living here for about 18 years now. And um, so, yeah, so I run the Peaceful Parents Institute. So I run a lot of workshops and seminars and also do professional development with early childhood teachers, which I find really exciting. As you can imagine, Casey, it's so good to be bringing these concepts in to communities of very, very young preschool age children. And the teachers tend to just absolutely lap it up and they, they just need more strategies and they love these strategies that are more relationship based. And the same with mm-hmm. the parents that I work with. So, yeah, I work with a lot of parents and teachers in different capacities and I do a lot of one-on-one work, counselling and parent coaching. I've got a membership site and run e-courses and forums and through that. And, um, yeah, just helping parents in all different capacities with all, you name it, I've heard it, all the different problems (laughs) I have heard it, yeah. And all of, you know, I wish I could kind of, connect more the parenting of the the teenage issues the parents who are parenting the teens with the younger ones because invariably the the parents of the teenagers say I wish I had done all of this from the beginning and I had Mm. done it properly because then I wouldn't be dealing with as much as what I'm dealing with now Um, right yeah so this is this is me and there's it's not just me there's Tabitha who works for me I, I I just would be so lost without her these days. She's amazing Mm. and an amazing group of um, peaceful parenting mentors and admins. And yeah, so we do good stuff, chipping away. Sometimes, Casey, it feels like just a drop in the ocean and other times it feels like, yeah, we're making a difference in the world. And that's what really lights me up. That's where my passion is. And I won't go into my history. It's a huge history. I've got, you know, lots of different trainings that um, behind me and also just a huge amount of experience from my own personal healing mm-hmm. from a childhood mm-hmm. of actually pretty extreme trauma and violence and, you know, sexual violence and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> neglect, which, um you know, it's not that I, I I can't say I'm glad I had the childhood I have, but I can definitely say that in having the difficulties that I had in my, you know, early years of life, I have certainly made the most of transforming myself and my, um, my trauma and then using that knowledge and that information and those skills to bring to people I work with because most people they're dealing with trauma to one extent or another it may not be the extreme Mm -hmm. and actually there's a lot of the extreme stuff so you know I bring together that information of of healing trauma and counseling skills but also mindfulness and meditation is a really big part of me who I am my that I've been meditating for 30 years and I like to share some of that with the parents and the individuals and the groups that I work with so um yeah and of course my children I know it's a cliche Mm -hmm. to say they're my biggest teachers but they really are and they have been and and it's amazing it's it's, sometimes I feel a bit guilty because it's a little bit like this um social experiment like oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah I ask them these questions sometimes, you know, to, to yeah. get the insight. How is it from the perspective of somebody who has grown up with 
you know, with that level of connection and listening and attunement from the mm-hmm. beginning. It's amazing because you do, there's not a lot of them around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I recently told my daughter, I, I thanked her. I said, you know, I just want to thank you for some of the choices and decisions that you've been making lately because I'm getting approached by clients who are having a hard time with their teenagers. And now I get to speak from experience. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. And that actually is really powerful. You know, I had one gal say, if you didn't have a teen daughter, I would not have hired you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, there is something to be said for the experience of being in it while also supporting others. Yeah. And I used to get that a lot when when my children were still, you know, in those younger years and I was running lots Mm -hmm. of parenting seminars and invariably there'd be somebody who'd say, so how old are you kids? So your oldest is nine. Mm -hmm. So you haven't Mm -hmm. hit the teenage years yet, have you? And there'd be this knowing lock (laughs) of. Yeah, well, let's see how you navigate that, you know, so it's really good to be able to say my oldest is about to turn 21, you know, Um, and so it's not that, of course, that I have personal experience of of every challenge, but whatever age your child is at, you kind of enter that world, don't you? Because it's not just your children, but it's all of their friends and their their parents. You enter the world of five-year-olds, the world of Mm -hmm. eight-year-olds, the world of 16-year-olds I'm about to enter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just so appreciate just all of it, the whole tapestry of of who you are and what you bring to your work. And I really appreciate the way that you have. And I, you know, I, I think this is something that I try to support parents with as well as really looking at instead of being stuck in the, you know, my models, my childhood, this was everything that was wrong with it, really recognizing that because of whatever showed up in our childhood, we get to make, we get to have a certain flavor of awareness. We get to have, you know, different opportunities of recognizing who we want to be in the world and how we want to take that and learn and grow from it. Definitely. Um, So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that acknowledgement. It gives, it really does give you such depths of empathy and understanding for those, Mm -hmm. you know, the darker territories of whatever it is, whatever the challenges um, that you face, it, it gives you the gift really of being able to connect with other people who are having similar challenges or who have experienced similar challenges. Yeah. And uh, listeners, I'm not sure you've caught on yet, but the territory that we're going to be exploring on today's show is that of peaceful parenting our teenagers, right? So um, like you said, I've run classes where there's parents of really young kids and then there's parents of maybe middle school age kids and the parents of the middle school age kids are looking longingly at the parents of the young kids thinking, where would I be right now had I started this work earlier? While the parents of the little, little kids are looking at the parents of the older kids thinking, I can't wait till my kids are old enough to articulate what they need to me and we can run family meetings and do some of the things that feel out of reach when they're really young. But let's just start first. So we are going to focus on teens, but let's start first with when you talk about peaceful parenting, Genevieve, can you define what it means to you and how it is different from some of the more mainstream behaviorist parenting approaches? Yeah, sure. Um, and I'll try to be brief because obviously that's a big subject, but mm-hmm. I, um, I, I loved how you said that 
you really resonate with the way of the peaceful parent that title and that you've read the book the the way of the peaceful warrior which yeah. i really love um so i i really i defined peaceful parenting before i realized that there was anybody else who had even kind of used that um and but there was there was Dr. Mm. Mama who had the the Facebook page already at that stage, and so I was already running parenting courses, and I have to say a huge influence for me is aware parenting and the work of Dr. Elisa Salter, and I am mm. an, you know a level two aware parenting instructor, so I really have to always give Elisa credit that she's been one of my big teachers and I've learned a lot from her and from her books. Um, and, and yet I can't, I had to, I had to create my own branding and different definition because there's so many other influences that mm -hmm. play a big, big part in my work as well. And so also in fairness to Elisa that I didn't want to misrepresent her work. And so I, developed the peaceful parenting brand and that company I changed my company name about 12 years ago to um, because I had been running a lot of different courses in lots of different subjects um, and then I decided to really specialize in parenting because I've been doing this work for about 25 years or so but about 12 years ago I specialized in the parenting and developed the peaceful parenting brand and it was my husband one day, we were having a conversation about my business and he was saying, he said, Jen, yours is the way of the peaceful parent. <laughs> he just said it like Love that. It. And I went, oh my gosh, you know, it was one of those epiphany moments. I'm like, that's it, that's it. You've just, you've just nailed it. You've just absolutely nailed it. And because uh, we both knew exactly what he was talking about and you've read the book and, and mm -hmm. there'll be listeners who haven't, but really it's... Um, it's about it's about bringing into your parenting not just how we should respond in this situation, that situation, and our different uh, approaches and techniques, which are really really important. But mm -hmm. it's all about who we are as a person and mm. who our child is as a person and the dynamic and the energy um, between us. And so, peaceful parenting to me, it's it becomes a lifestyle for people when they really mm -hmm. tap into it and they and they start to look at parenting in a different way and they start with the techniques and they start using active listening and they start using more requests instead of demands and they'll start to do more problem solving rather than always um, imposing the solutions on the kids so as they're helping the children develop their own critical thinking and problem solving skills and they'll start by using more I statements rather than blaming language and you mm -hmm. mentioned family meetings and they'll start to practice things like that and bring into uh, bring into limit setting and the love and the connection but parents soon find that it's not enough that they can't just switch into using more respectful communication because they still have a lot of impatience and judgments and resentments inside of them that they project onto their children. So then they start to peel it backwards. And this is what I'm supporting parents to do is to look at what's happening inside of you when you make a request of your child and they, you know, they're defiant and they talk back to you. 
what happens in you, what does it trigger in you, what does it bring up? And that brings the parent into the whole world of looking at at their their own heart, really, and mm-hmm. their childhood patterns. And um, I developed a, a model called Center Connect Communicate. And the cent- mm-hmm. centering is all about uh, how can we as parents be more patient and more genuinely kind, genuinely caring, genuinely empathetic, not just pretending to be empathetic to try and get the compliance, but actually genuinely um, caring in the way that our ch- child feels it. How can we do that? And to do that, we need to um, get centered and mm-hmm. to get centered and to be less angry and to be more patient. We need to decrease our stress. So now we move into the whole world of stress management, stress reduction, self-care and healing trauma and changing patterns and changing yeah. systems. And of course, this is all my counseling work and training that all comes in here. And so I teach parents a lot of this stuff. And so the Center Connect Communicate model really is about putting the center, centering to get centered, which basically just means to connect inside yourself in the way that you're self-aware, you're mindful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're truly present. You know what's going on inside of yourself. And you've got a way of managing that to change your state from from uh, impatience back to patience. And and then uh, the connecting is about connecting with our children in ways that they um, that they really feel connected to. And like what makes you feel connected with a friend or or me, uh, Casey, it's similar to our kids, you know, when somebody really, really, really listens to us and somebody Mm -hmm. laughs with us and, you know, shares our interests and really, really listens and really gives us their time, then we feel connected. And we can't just use the problem solving and the I statements and the requests and the loving limits, if we're not putting enough time into really playing with our children and for you and me with our our teenagers, it's really showing an interest in their world and having laughs with them and playing card games and being silly and going on walks and doing adventures and listening and, you know, time, connection and affection and eye contact. So Center Connect Communicates is a model I developed to to put the centering and the connecting right in front before the communication. So it's not just a nice idea or something that you kind of add in extra, but this actually mm-hmm. forms the foundation of the rela- relationship because if we can't get centered and manage our own stress, and if we're not prioritizing the time to really connect with our child, then the family meetings, the I statements, the problem solving, whatever communication techniques you use, they're not going to work. We're not going to have the influence. And this is as very true with the teenagers, maybe even more so. It's true at every age. So I hope that was coherent enough and made sense. Oh, yeah. uh,
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Well, what I love, Genevieve, is, and this is something that's so fun, right? I have this venue, I have this podcast, and then I find myself having access to people like you and others who are doing their work in their part of the world and making a difference. And there is this beautiful thread, really, that is woven through all of this great work, which is what you're just speaking into. Like, we have to do our own inner work. Yeah. Right. And like you said at the top our you know, it sounds cliche, but our children are our teachers. I think our kids pick us to show us where our gaps mm-hmm. in learning are so that we then get to, you know, celebrate the fact that there's more growth and development to be done on our end. And, and I love to say that the most powerful tool that we have for influencing behavior is our relationship with our kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can't ask curiosity questions and have it be helpful if you're not actually curious. <laughs> like, yeah. Empathy yep. is not empathy if you're not 
yeah. feeling empathy. <laughs> Exactly. So like, yeah. yeah. And so I love bringing people on and hearing the different language that's used. So I like to say, you know, bring, how do we bring empathy to life in our body? How do we embody empathy? How do we embody curiosity? So it's just, I'm over here holding back going, yes, yes, yes. Loving everything (laughs) that you're talking about. Loving that center and connect comes before communicate just Beautiful. And then, so moving us into the conversation around teenagers. Yeah. And remember, listeners, you might not have a teenager, but, but you will. will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to give you um, a little bit of context. Well, I'm going to give everybody some context around how this conversation came to be. Yeah. Yeah that we're having right now, which is, I love to crowdsource. I love to hear what the people think about things. And so last fall, right? Last fall, I wanted to get a feel for how, what was the popular opinion around boys hanging out in the girls' room, in the teenagers' room, right? And you saw the response. I did. You saw, it was crazy. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever, I've never posted anything that, and and it was on my personal page Mm -hmm. that got that. I mean, it was on fire. It was on fire. I couldn't believe. And initially, you know, it was those straight from the hip, hell no. What do you want to be a grandparent? Mind you, I never said anything about like, should I let them have sex in her room? I just simply said, (laughs) what's your policy? And everybody immediately went to, yeah, yeah, Yeah. sex, right? And so, and then slowly my um, parent educator friends showed up and, and other friends and saying like, well, you know, I think that it's more, there's more to this than just do ya, don't ya. And and then you reached out to me via yeah. messenger and we had a great conversation about that. So, okay. So this is just one example. It could have been any, you know, all of the risky behavior we think about when we think about teens, but why is it that it's so hard or it appears to be so hard to be this, like, what is the hang up around being a peaceful parent and our teenagers? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What do you find is the biggest hang up for parents when you're trying to support them in navigating the the teen years? (laughs) Well, I think this is true at every age in different ways, but particularly with the teenagers, there are a lot of old, archaic, unhelpful belief systems that that parents need to challenge. I think there's a lot of prejudice towards teenagers. I think generally teenagers um, are seen to be, you know, just potential troublemakers. And we're watching <laughs> you guys. We know what you guys get up to. Here, here's an example. Okay, so um, just yesterday, I collected my daughter from the airport after three weeks in Vietnam. And my daughter, she's 15, and she had this amazing opportunity to go to Vietnam for three weeks with this group of school kids. So the 12 girls are all around the same sort of age. And um, I know most, uh, some of these girls, or I at least know them to see, but anyway, my daughter knows them well. And they had had three weeks together with the teachers and a guide and they had this amazing time. And it just so happened that the group that my my girl was with were similar to her in that they're actually, they're not interested in, in drinking alcohol. And I know that that's not the same. In fact, she does go to parties where 
where her friends do drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this had been a, a trip where they were so, so focused on their experience, whether it was the, they did a community project and, uh, and they did an amazing trek and they did a cooking class. And so they were so wow. absorbed in their experience. And really the furthest thing from their minds was finding a way of getting drunk or having, you know, finding mm-hmm. a guy they could have sex with down an alleyway or whatever, you know. <laughs> Just right. wasn't really on their agenda, you know. And uh-huh. I'm not saying that for some kids that wouldn't be. But then they stopped in, the, the they had a five-hour stop over in Hong Kong airport. And the girls said they wanted to go and look around the shops. And the teacher said, okay, but girls, no alcohol, no smoking cigarettes, don't, you know, and gave them this list of things that they shouldn't mm-hmm. do. And this was after three weeks of, I guess, talking about the ground rules all the time. And mm-hmm. Aisha said, my daughter said she was so disappointed and that all of her friends were so disappointed because as I said to her, um, it was as if the teacher hadn't got to know them, you know, that mm-hmm. here they were, you know, just projecting the worst onto them. They were just thinking about, it's a new airport. How exciting. We're going to look around the shops and maybe go and get some food. And and mm-hmm. they're being given the warning. OK, don't get drunk. Don't have sex. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you ask me, what are the biggest blocks? You know, that that example. And, and I'm not bagging that teacher. I'm hugely grateful to her. You know, she she mm-hmm. looked after our, our girls for three weeks and and bless her for that. And she wouldn't have seen anything wrong with what she was saying. But I'm hope, hopefully I'm demonstrating how how just kind of uh, how unnecessary that is, how redundant it is. It's not helpful. If she did have reason to to be concerned about one of those girls for whatever reason that she had picked up, that that girl actually she did catch her trying to drink some alcohol or whatever, then the thing to do would be to have a little one on one and say, you know, hey, I noticed that you wanted to drink and do you sometimes drink and let's have a chat about it. You know, a heart to heart, person to person, human to human conversation with where the teacher is centered and connecting, connecting like in a real human to human way. That's what's needed. But but those cliches of Hey, you're teenagers. I know what you teenagers do. You get into risky behavior and they're just old, archaic um, projections that get projected onto teenagers all the time. And they really get in the way of of relationships like the the adults should be relating with these kids Mm -hmm. and getting to know them rather than just putting them in the cliche box. Hey, hi, interrupting here to remind you that there are many ways to stay connected to Joyful Courage. I host two free groups on Facebook. One is the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group, and the other is the Joyful Courage Parents of Teens group. These are both places for you to come and be in community with other parents on the path of being intentional and thoughtful while raising children. You can also follow me on Instagram at at joyful 
underscore courage. This is where I hang out and offer regular giveaways and host challenges like the current 10 day reset challenge. Be sure to get on my mailing list to stay up to date on all of my offers and new shows that are released. It's the best way to stay connected. You can join the newsletter list by going to www.joyfulcourage.com slash join. Yay. I hope that you stay connected because I really like to be connected to all of you. So just do it. (laughs) Oh man. And even as I'm sitting here again, nodding my head, I'm also simultaneously thinking, oh gosh, I do that. I do it. I do it. I say, don't do anything. Don't do anything stupid. Or, you know, and sometimes it's kind of light, jokey, but I do that. And I think that it's this, it's this, you're right, this archaic belief system. It's my own (laughs) really awesome choices as a teenager. And, and like really being called, like I've never been before or even never really understood what it meant to be called into trust Trust. at the level that is being called for right now. So how do we help ourselves anchor in to trust and and really explore what trust means? Because teens are, teens make mistakes and they do dumb things. That's how their their brains are wired for, you know, poor risk assessment. So trust you know, and maybe it's, and it's defining, like, or redefining, because it's not like I trust that you will never make a mistake, because that would be, we'll be set up for disappointment. So what is, let's talk a little bit about exactly. that. Exactly. And and that will be putting unrealistic expectations on them, because some parents do that. Some parents say, I know you would never drink, and I know you wouldn't want to have sex with a boy, and I know that you were a mm-hmm. good kid. And and of course, that's not realistic and not helpful either. And that's basically saying, you know, I'm putting you in that box and I expect mm-hmm. you to stay in that box. And there was there was a party that my daughter was going to go to. And the invite it was a sweet 16 birthday party. And the invite said BYO alcohol. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I was like, right. OK, awesome. here we go. It begins. <laughs> I've been through this with my son, you know, reaching that stage of. Um, you know, where they're at parties where they're, they're drinking and kids are drinking. Mm-hmm. And and rather than I could have said to her, I I don't think you would want to drink. But if I said that to her and she was thinking of drinking, then it creates a disconnect from the beginning. So I purposely mm-hmm. framed my question more openly than that. And I said, what about you? Do you you know, what do you think about drinking and have you thought about trying alcohol and, you know, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts and feelings about? So can you hear the difference? So the difference is that I, I set it up in a way that if you are thinking about that or if you have been thinking about it or if you have done it, then let's talk about it and with that nice, the centering and the connecting and nice mm-hmm. calm tone of voice. And so I think a lot of it's around reframing and like when you, oh, Casey, you know, don't do anything stupid. And um, so I use that as an example, of course, you know, and it, it's these kind of cliches that 
we can come out with because it's what was said to us and that's what other parents say and this is what I mean about we just you know it's just examining it and these beliefs and we sort of do that one at a time we can't do all of them it's sort of when, right. when we say something then and our child gives us that lock they go hang on oh yeah actually yeah <laughs> let's think about this well and it's so like it feels like the you know like the um stakes are so high they are there's oh my gosh they're so high and i you know i've worked with clients i've got clients at the moment and in the past and ah big stuff yeah yeah the suicide rate in new zealand is is one of the highest in the world actually Mm -hmm. and um yeah and so suicide attempts and overdoses and um yeah a a lot of the stakes are so high and i use exactly those words often when I'm talked about to parents of the younger kids, I mm-hmm. say I say to them, you know, when it gets to teenage years, the stakes are so high. And so, you know, they need to get it right so, from the beginning. So we need to reframe. Well, and yeah. 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 And even when, you know, and this was really helpful to me as I was like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> a couple months ago, I took out my, I'm a positive discipline trainer, so I took out my positive discipline for teenagers books. And one of the sections was, and listeners, you may have heard me say this before. One of the sections was, will kids who are raised with positive discipline rebel? And the response was something like, you know, positive discipline does not change brain development, you know, and the difference with kids who have been raised with positive discipline often is instead of going underground or waiting till they're out of the house, they tend to, you know, do their rebelling right in front of us Mm. and tell us all about it. And so, you know, what I heard you say with your language tweak with your daughter around the party and the alcohol use is you sending the message of, I'm available. Mm. I can handle having these conversations with you. Mm. Mm. And I think that that's really powerful. When I think about my own mistakes when or my own risky behavior, never in my mind did it occur to me that I could talk to my parents about the things I was curious about. Yeah, that's all Or gosh, that I could no have way. a conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah, no way. And so- so I'm wondering now, okay, so the conversation goes on and the response is, yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of want to check this out. Mm. I want to try this. Open lines of communication all the way. It really is right. the key. Yeah. But then, and then we're like, you know, like standing there. Oh, thank you for being honest. Thank you for sharing with me. And, you know, there's this like piece of that. It's like this, and I'm moving my body back. It's like a tightrope, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like. Yep. That balance of I'm here for you. I'm available. I want you to talk to me. And I also don't want to say, yeah, do whatever you want. No, no. You know, check no. it out. I, you know, Casey, it amazed me, actually. And we want to talk about the bedroom and the, the bedroom and the sex stuff. There's <laughs> just so much to talk about. But um, <clears throat> the alcohol one is a huge one. And it amazed me. Um, when I, when my son reached that age of about 14, 14, 15, and now, you know, I've just seen it so much. And also on Facebook threads on my own page about alcohol, that the vast majority of parents believe that it's better to let the kids drink alcohol at home from actually seems to be from about 14 when they get to 15 most parents are buying alcohol for their teenagers and um and with the belief and it seems to be a really strong 
belief in our society that um, we want to we want to help them get used to drinking alcohol in moderation at home under our roof. And uh, and so sometimes, you know, when parents says that to me and I say, and so do you also let them smoke marijuana and take some other drugs in moderation mm -hmm. at home so as they can kind of get used to it in a safe environment? And, you know, that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? Like if well, it's, well, I live in Washington state where it's, where it's weed is legal. So you know what, that is not very far fetched to just go. I mean, the other stuff, yes, but marijuana I'm guessing is kind of starting to be that same kind of thing yeah. as alcohol where it's like, well, if you do it with me, you know, but I think the think the difference is that those parents who are letting their, letting their kids smoke marijuana at home and most you know, a lot of kids do start smoking at home. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, it's about, usually it's about roping the kids into that culture because they don't want the kids to disapprove of them and they don't want to, mm. their kids to be bagging them about it. Um, but the, the parents who are letting their kids smoke marijuana at home don't tend to brag about it, don't talk, tend to talk about it as if it's a really good thing. But most parents do talk about how they let their kids alcohol. smoke or drink alcohol at home in moderation. Huh. Like, you know, they really, really just genuinely believe that they are doing the best thing A for service. their kids. And oh. you're probably picking up the, uh, I don't, you know, I don't advocate that. Uh, That's not the way of the peaceful parent. It's not, no, <laughs> it's not. Uh, you know, I, I often say I teach people how to set limits and how to hold limits and how to, mm -hmm. how to maintain the relationship and the connection while holding limits. And I don't like to get too much into what those limits should be because it is very, right. very individual to each family and to each child. And, you know, and uh, so I try and stay out of that territory. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. But I think mm -hmm. in this conversation about the alcohol at home, I'm going to just sort of stick my neck out and say how I feel about it, because I want parents to really question, 
really questioned that belief that, oh, you know, it's a good thing that I'm letting my kids drink alcohol at home because there is actually a lot of research that shows that, um, you know, the negative effects of alcohol on the developing brain. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think most of those parents are aware of that. And their kids certainly aren't aware of it. And the first time that my son was going to be drinking alcohol, it was a school ball and and he bought alcohol with his friends. You know, they bought it. And I can't I think he was I think he was 17 and which. Yeah. And he was going to be drinking. And I said to him, you know, honey, I. It, 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 I know it is your choice and I can't make you not drink. And I certainly don't want to um, make you feel, you know, judged by me because I love you and look after you no matter what. Um, but I do, I do want you to learn a little bit more about the effects of alcohol on the brain. So as you know mm-hmm. why, um, why I wouldn't recommend it. And so as you can just bring that information in. And I said to him, so, okay, you say you're going to drink and um, you're probably going to drink whether I agree with it or not. And, but will you watch three clips and three video clips and the I'll find, and I'll try and find the ones that are the most efficient rather than like a whole hour long documentary with heaps of science that's going to bore him silly, you know? And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. And so that's what I did. And so I I found some video clips that that had some graphics and described what it does to the brain and how it affects the brain and some of the research that shows that, you know, that drinking alcohol in those early years affects um, particularly um, memory retention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he I can't say that he um, you know, he wasn't a teenager who didn't drink at all. But mm-hmm. um, we threw a really big party for his 18th and mm-hmm. he was drinking at that 18th party. But at the end of the evening, he was like just fully there with cleaning up and taking down the mm-hmm. marquee and, you know, organizing the kids who didn't seem to have a lift or the ones who had got really drunk or who had vomited out on the grass or whatever. And, you know, he, he had, it's not that he, I think he did get drunk, but he didn't get to that point of being silly. You know, he's 21 now and he, yeah. he does drink, but he definitely drinks in moderation. And so that's the, you know, I'm happy with the with the fact that he is continuing to do self-care and the first time that he did drink when I picked him up Casey I said to him okay you know you've had a couple of drinks here have this big glass of water with lots of vitamin C and because this is going to help your body cleanse and detox and and yeah. then and then the next morning talk about you know have fruit for breakfast maybe to start with because that's really cleansing and so in, instead of just giving him heaps of lecturing I'm already helping him to know how he can bring his body back to health and balance you know so it's just yeah. it's a different approach it's such a different approach and I love it. And I love, I'm so glad. Thank you for all the detail. I really appreciated hearing you say, you know, ultimately I can't control you and you're going to make your choices. Mm. And I know that my daughter has appreciated me saying that, acknowledging that. Yeah. Um, and that's no small thing because no. I 
like to control things. Yeah, same. So oh, I, I, I'm self-confessed control freak. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I and and I appreciate too. You know, I think it's such a different road when the parent like we can be not a fan of their choices while still standing by them and helping them navigate through. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, even when they're little and we talk about well, how you respond is definitely going to influence outcome, you know, it, that carries on and is true how we respond, you know, you responding with, hey, listen, this is how you can take, you've had a couple drinks. This is how you can take care of yourself and not assume that I think there's this whole idea of, well, if you don't do something to him, he's going to know that he can, quote, get, get away, away with, with that. Yeah. And so it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Whereas even when it is like, okay, I'm going to do something and we punish and we, here's the consequences. How many teenagers then say, wow, I'm not going to do that again because I got in big trouble. Yeah. No. no, I mean, I no. guess there's probably some in the short term, who knows, but yeah. no. But ultimately it no. just means I can't trust my parent yeah. and I've got to get better at being sneaky and pulling this off. Exactly. And then it ups that, that whole excitement factor around yep. the behavior, yep. which is, you know, triggers the brain and, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. This is so useful. Yeah, exactly. Hey, there was, um, there's this parent educator and author, Thomas Gordon. Are you familiar with the work of Thomas Gordon? He wrote parent effectiveness training and teacher effectiveness training. And he started these parenting programs back in the um, 80s, I think. And uh, amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, it's still run uh, throughout mm -hmm. around I the world. I think I've had guests. I think Larissa Dunn came on yeah. or Larissa Dan. She, I, I've had guests who are pet, P-E-T, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Him. That's it. And, you know, just as I credit Aletha Soldier, I've never met Thomas Gordon, but I, I have to credit him that you know, his work has definitely had a huge influence on me and my work. Something really interesting in the beginning of Parent Effectiveness Training is that he said that he didn't anticipate this himself, but when he started running the parenting programs that he learned through the families doing doing the work and using those techniques that mm. they largely escaped the teenage rebellion. And Elisa Salter, she oh. says the same, you know, and um and I've got a couple of the a couple of the administrators who and peaceful parenting mentors who I work really closely with, who've got teenagers, and this is their experience as well. And um, it's not that it's not that the kids don't go through all of those stages of development, but the if there isn't a big power struggle between the parent and the child then the kid doesn't have to fight back because, you know, we mm. all know that those stages of the development in developing their autonomy at two and three, whatever mm. extent they didn't succeed there, they're going to have another damn good go at it at 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And they all go through big changes around that 13 age, especially. And I, you know, one day I, when I have more time, I am going to write a book, especially for that transition, because it's so, Please. it's Thank so you. important. <laughs> it's so huge. And so often 
things come really unstuck there and the relationship really suffers um, because they do experience intense hormonal changes. And mm-hmm. I say to the moms, you know, think about PMT or you call a PMS there and multiply mm-hmm. by a thousand. That's what they go through. But um, so they will go through their stages of developing autonomy and developing their individuality. But when there isn't huge power struggles between the parents, it doesn't have to become a battleground. Certainly with my 21-year-old, it never did become a battleground. My girl is nearly 16 and I just can't imagine it. You know, she she does, she does, she's into a lot of similar things to how I am. You know, we do yoga classes together and she's really into her vegetarian and vegan cooking and um, we do raw food cleanses and water fast and things like that. You know, they're both really, really into um, looking after themselves. And I just told her today that I booked her booked us all in as a family to a weekend of yoga festival, which is like yoga meditation. So great. And she's like, yeah. oh my gosh, she is like over, you know, over the moon with the excitement. So, you know, that they, they didn't rebel. And I was always told when they were young, because I was such a, people saw me to be such a food Nazi, you know, that I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of processed food and sugar and all of that. And in fact, I'm equally as passionate about food as I am about peaceful parenting. So my kids have, grown up with a ridiculously healthy diet and and I've been way more strict I could use that word but of course it's not in the authoritarian way in that the food and this and like you just unlikely to find the junk you know if you do it's like it's chocolate raw food cake made with you know berries and cacao and that sort of thing so I was always told they are going to rebel and they're going to eat McDonald's and fast food and all of that and I just I just couldn't imagine it, you know, um, and and it's to, and it's because I just didn't do it in the way of um, being strict in the way of shaming them. I always let them know it's your choice. If you wanted to mm-hmm. eat meat, of course, you could eat meat. That's your choice. But I have always educated them. So they're very, very educated. So that's the approach that I have tended to take is. Um, a lot of education around why we make the choices we do. And so then as they get older, then there's more and more, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for protecting me from all those chemicals and, you know, all the nasty stuff. Um, so it doesn't... Oh, I can't wait. Doesn't I can't wait for the thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Well, and I think that what I'm hearing you say is we shouldn't like be in fighter stance simply because we have teenagers. Not at all. And they are going to navigate the world and they are the ones that are ultimately in charge of their choices. And better than, you know, laying down any, you know, quote, laws or throwing down the hammer is really being in relationship and being supportive of them and meeting them where they're at in a way that allows them to have a more critical view of what they're doing versus I'm going to do this because you don't want me to. Yeah, exactly. And because you are telling me I can't. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And for me, like, some of the things that have shown up in the last few months have actually brought, like sometimes it's, this is the way I describe it. It's like things happen and my teenager pulls away and the teen angst shows up and there's like, it's like she's brick by brick building a wall and then something comes 
something happens, whether it's, oh, mom, I have to tell you something that I did or I find out about something. Something is a catalyst and it's like the wall cracks Mm -hmm. and it gives her an opportunity to step through it and come back Mm -hmm. to me. And it's a really interesting, and we'll see if it continues to play out this way. I don't know if it's a hormonal thing. I'm not really sure about the why it happens, but I just noticed like sometimes these, you know, challenging moments are actually creating the space for her to step back into relationship with me. And it's really in those moments, we are closer than we were before. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it just really has been teaching me so much about trust and about surrender Mm -hmm. and about allowing her the space she needs to make the decisions Mm -hmm. and and to learn from them, Mm -hmm. right? And to learn from them. So, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I could talk to you for three more Um, hours. You have got to come back on. We have a million things to talk about. Yeah, it's such a huge topic. (laughs) It's always so beautiful, isn't it, Casey, when you come back to that beautiful heart connection, when the walls come down when the heart softens again and it's such a relief yeah. to come out of that highly defended state isn't it it's like when we're yeah. in it we can feel our muscles are tight and tense and our heart is hard and it's always such a relief when we come back to that softness of heart it's beautiful yeah. and um, yeah. and they don't know they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to get back to that connection, that softness of heart um, necessarily. But the more we can do it for them, then the more, I guess, they get yeah. better at doing it themselves. And, you know, my kids, they, they often have been quicker than me to do that softening and that reconnecting and saying something like, Mom, you just seem really stressed. And then I'll just kind of yeah. break down and go, oh, God, you're right, you know. And then I realize <laughs> I've just been, my tone of voice is just horrible and I'm all tight and tense. Yeah. You know, and but and so sometimes, you know, they often have been the ones to, like, that's a connecting moment, you know, that's a, a mm-hmm. softening. And they, they've learned to do that from me doing it to them when they're being all <clears throat> gnarly and growly and, and yeah. tense and defensive. And I respond with, oh, sweetheart, you just seem so stressed. Hey, so stressed. Everything's really hard, isn't it, at the moment? And just connecting back in. And uh, yeah. yeah, and that comes back, doesn't it, to the self-work as well, isn't it? Because yep. We lose the connection with ourselves sometimes and then we can't really connect with other people. But when we have a good meditation or that beautiful walk in nature or something Mm -hmm, that softens mm -hmm. us, then we think about our child in our mind and go, oh, actually, I've been a bit critical, haven't I? And you come back and you're all sweetie, lovey, dovey. And, you know, hey, will I make you your favorite thing? And Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. And so, Genevieve, I always finish my conversations with the same question for my guests. So I have this question for you, which is in the context of peaceful parenting our teenagers, what does joyful courage mean to you? Joyful courage mean to me. So joyful courage... Actually, it connects me with that last bit that we were just talking about. To me, it's about joy we feel in the heart, don't we? Most of us, most of us. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of courage to reconnect. So to me, it's about the 
opening the heart and allowing the joy, the enjoyment of the relationship, of the connection to um, to come back in. And that takes courage. It takes courage to be vulnerable again. It's easier to be hard and defensive and stern. And it takes courage to open the heart and come back into the, the joy of that beautiful connection again. Mm, thank you. Will you please remind the listeners where they can find you and follow your work? Yeah. So, yeah, my Facebook page is the way of the peaceful parent, but my website is peacefulparent.com. So peaceful parent, singular, not an S at Mm -hmm. the end. Um, So that's my website and there's lots of good stuff there. There's lots of good articles and, you know, membership and e-courses and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, do come and connect and say hi. Yay. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and spending time with me. Oh, yeah, you too. It's been great. Thank you, Casey. Wasn't that so great? Glad that you had a chance to listen. Thank you for all the ways that you support the Joyful Courage podcast. If you want to dig deeper into what this work is all about, get your hands on my new book, Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey. You can buy it through my website or straight from Amazon. It is getting loads of really positive reviews. So go and check it out if you haven't already. And if you have, why not buy a copy for your friends or your family members, your sisters, your brother-in-laws? Everybody needs to be reading this book. As a transition to what's next in your day, I invite you to find your breath, release any tension that you find in your body, lift up to the balcony seat for some perspective and have a beautiful, beautiful week. Much, much love. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.